the children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children come Welcome to Children's Bible Join With stories and songs just for kids We have a dramatized Bible story coming up So let's get today's program started By singing praises to our awesome God The Bible is also called God's Word In God's Word, we find wisdom and help to guide us through life. Do you want to know what God is like? How He thinks? How He feels? What He wants from you and for you? Then remember to always listen carefully to His words. Think about them and hide them in your heart. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yeah. 
gonna sing, sing, sing. I'm gonna shout, shout, shout. I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna shout. Praise the Lord. When those gates are open wide, I'm gonna sit at Jesus' side. I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna shout. Praise the Lord. Swing low, sweet chariot. Come forth and carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Come forth and carry me home. Oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, Lord, I want to be in that number. Oh, when the saints go marching in, this train is bound for glory, this train. This train is bound for glory, this train. This train is bound for glory, those who ride well must be holy. This train is bound for glory, this train. I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna sing, when those gates are open, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna shout, praise the Lord. Jesus sure makes your heart feel happy. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible and Living Sound. Pardon me, sir, but is your name Isaiah? Yes, my child. And what can I do for you? Are you a prophet? Yes. Prophet of God? Yes. How do you know? <laughs> How do I know? Yes. How do you know you're a prophet? Did your father tell you? Or did the high priest tell you? Or did you just want to be a prophet? No, I didn't want to be a prophet. But there was something special that happened, and I knew. What happened? Well, it's an old story, and not very interesting to you, I'm afraid. Oh, tell me, please. I'd like to know. Please. Well... For some time, I'd been discouraged because so few people in either Judah or Israel had been serving God. They seemed to care only for wealth and power. Why, I remember I overheard my neighbors talking. <sighs> Do you realize, dear, that we are probably the richest people in Jerusalem? Mm, of course <laughs> I do. And it's wonderful to be rich. Uh, the people in the marketplace, on the streets, even in the temple, vie for my friendship. Mm, I love it. <laughs> uh, we're going to be even richer. Tomorrow I gain possession of another house. Ooh. The man is behind in his payments, and I'm going to take his house away from him. Mm, what's going to happen to his wife and children? Oh, that, my dear, is his worry, not mine. My only worry is how to get more houses and lands. <laughs> <laughs> and what did happen to the poor man who couldn't pay? Well, he lost his home. I suppose he had to move in with his children if he had any. <laughs> and then once I visited a court. Uh, it was an accident, Your Honor. I didn't mean to kill this man's sheep. It, it ran out in front of my horse. Accident or not, this court orders you to pay for the dead sheep. Well, I can't, Your Honor. I have no money. You pay or spend 30 days in the dungeon. But, Your Honor, this isn't pity or justice. The law of Moses I says I am that the judge in this court. 
Now, another word out of you and I shall double your sentence. Did he really have to go to the dungeon? Well, I suppose so. Unless he was able to borrow enough money to pay for the sheep. That wasn't right. And even King Uzziah, who had been a good king for many years, became so proud that he thought himself worthy to go into the temple and offer incense on the altar. Oh, I've heard about that. He was struck with leprosy right in the temple, wasn't he? Yes. And it was about that time that I was impressed that I should warn the people to turn from their evil ways. But I was afraid that no one would listen to me. And what happened? Well, I was standing on the porch of the temple one day, feeling I simply could not be God's messenger. When suddenly, the inner veil of the temple seemed to be lifted up, and I could see into the holiest place where none but the high priest can enter. I seemed to see Jehovah sitting on his throne with angels all about him, and I felt more unworthy than ever. I even cried out, Woe is me, I am undone. Then I saw one of the highest angels, a seraph, pick up a living coal from the altar and lay it upon my lips and say, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Were you scared? I was awed. Then I heard the voice of God saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I answered, Here am I. Send me. And that's how you know you're a prophet? That's how I know. And now everybody listens to you and does what you say. Oh, no, child. Only a very few. But because God assured me that a few would listen, I am content to give God's warnings and his messages to his people and to leave the results to God. Because of God's assurance of his help and blessing, Isaiah entered into the long and arduous mission of rebuking the people of their sins. Yet he stood before them as a prophet of hope. For 60 years he carried with him the memory of the vision at the temple, and he waxed bolder and bolder in his predictions of the future triumph of the church. Hear ye and give ear, ye people, for the mountains of the Lord's house shall be established and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. Come, let us go to the house of the Lord, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from... We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to add these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
ever seen so many cereal boxes before? There are a bunch of them. Some with pictures of animals, some with bowls of fruit and milk, and some with cartoon characters. How are we supposed to pick one for our camping trip? Is there one with a picture of a tent on it? <laughs> Let's see. What did the nurse tell us last week in school? She said if a snake bites you, don't suck out the poison? No, before that. She said that we should only buy food that has a very short list of ingredients on the package. And she said don't buy cereal that's loaded with sugar. Okay, we know that ingredients are listed in order. The first item that's in here is the most. So here's a cool box. Let's see. First item, sugar. This one, too. Sugar right at the top. And this one. And this one. She said watch out for words like evaporated cane juice or corn syrup or even natural sweetener. They're just different words for sugar. Hey, this one says that sugar is number three. Nope. Why? Read what comes next. There are a bunch of words I can't pronounce. The nurse said that if we can't pronounce it, our stomachs probably can't digest it. Try again. Okay, here's a cereal that has just one thing in the ingredients list. 100% whole wheat. That's all? That's all. Then that's it. Dump a little honey, fresh fruit and soy milk on there, and we're eating healthy. You sound like a commercial. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, He established a health plan for every creature on Earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Chapter 6. Dangerous Passage. Dee Dee shook her head. I don't like tight places. I don't like dust and dark. And I really don't like cobwebs. And I am the one saying we should crawl into this hole in the wall. I must be crazy. What are we getting into? She muttered to herself as she led the way into the secret passage in the wall of Grandma's old bedroom. Jenny, I'm glad you made us change out of our pajamas and put on our jeans and sweatshirts. This passage is dirty. She pulled the cobwebs out of her hair and tried to fan away the dust. I can't see anything back here, Jenny said, on her hands and knees, behind Dee Dee. Your body is blocking the way to the light. At least you're not getting cobwebs in the face, Dee Dee said. She stopped and picked up the flashlight. I'm glad your mom suggested that you bring a flashlight. She shone it back over her shoulder at Jenny. Me too, Jenny said. Whew, it's dusty in here. Do you think your grandma crawled through the dust every time she came through here? I don't know, Dee Dee responded, but the diary says that she came to Captain Morgan's room just about every night. If she came through here that often, I would think that would keep the cobwebs and dust cleaned out. Dee Dee shone the flashlight ahead of them into the darkness of the cramped space. What are we looking for? Jenny asked. I mean, I know we're looking for the lost stuff, but where do you think this passage will lead us? Just to another room? Dee Dee thought for a minute. I don't know. This is my first real mystery without the rest of the shoebox kids along. The boys or Maria always seem to take over. Now it's just us. Jenny grinned behind Dee Dee as Dee Dee moved forward again. Well, I think it makes this mystery kind of special. Even if we don't find anything else, it's still been neat. We found an old diary. 
and a secret passage. Jenny paused. But you know, we really don't have any proof that your grandmother used this passageway. This could just be something left when they built the house. How do we know anybody has been here before us? Dee Dee stopped again and shone the light all around. Look, there's your proof. She shone the flashlight at two letters and a number carved into the wood above their heads. A.H. 1913. A.H. Don't you see, Dee Dee said, Abigail Hartford. That's my grandmother. Her name wasn't Adams until she got married. And those are the same years as in her diary. Jenny rolled over on her back and looked at the ceiling. That was the year Captain Morgan was here. She looked farther down the passageway. But look, there are more markings up ahead. The two girls crawled ahead, and soon Dee Dee saw what Jenny was talking about. Other people had marked their initials on the sides and ceiling of the passageway. Look at this one, Jenny said, pointing at some scratches on one side that read REC 1859. Wow, Dee said, looking around. Here's another one, she said, pointing at one that read ES 1861. Do you realize how long ago that was, Jenny said? What were all these people doing in this passageway in those days? Do you think they were people living in this boarding house? Or maybe smugglers? Dee thought for a moment. My father told me about something called the Underground Railroad that was sort of like smuggling back before the Civil War, Dee said. The slaves who were in the South would run away and try to escape to Canada. People in the North would help them get there and hide them along the way. Are you thinking that this was one of those hiding places, Jenny asked? That's really amazing. But most of the slaves didn't get to go to school at all, Dee said. It's strange that they could mark their initials on the wood this way. Maybe whoever lived here taught them how to write their names, or just their initials, Jenny said. Maybe so, Dee Dee said. Anyway, it looks like the passageway is turning ahead of us. Good, Jenny said. I don't like small, dark places. You either, Dee Dee asked, surprised. Dee Dee stopped just before the passageway made a right turn. Why are we stopping, Jenny asked. Dee Dee shone her light to the right. Jenny could see that a door with old, rusty hinges was attached to the wall. I think we are at Captain Morgan's room, Dee Dee said. She pushed, but the door remained closed. Push it again, Jenny urged. I'm trying, Dee Dee said with a grunt. I guess it's stuck. Jenny slid forward as much as she could, and the two of them pushed on the stuck door. Finally, there was a tearing sound, and the girls spilled out into the floor of another room, their flashlight clattering ahead of them. Where are we now, Jenny asked, wiping the sweat and dust from her face and hair. She climbed the rest of the way out of the secret passage entrance. Captain Morgan's room, I guess, Dee Dee said, retrieving the flashlight. Hit that light switch by the door over there. No, wait, Jenny said. She walked over to the window and looked out over the backyard to the river beyond them. That must have been what your grandmother and Captain Morgan saw when they looked from these windows. Dee Dee joined her. I wonder if grandmother saw those strange lights down by the river that night from here. You know, we said that Captain Morgan probably got killed, Jenny said, but maybe he got away. Maybe he was well enough to escape down the river. Maybe, Dee Dee said doubtfully, but what about where grandmother wrote that Jesus was taking care of him now? Jenny shrugged. Maybe she just meant that Jesus would have to watch over him wherever he went. Dee Dee paused. What about Henry? Who was Henry? Why did they put him in the basement? You know, I've been thinking about something, Jenny said in response. Grandma said she snuck down to see Henry all the time, and those people who hid in the secret passage had to have a way to get out of the house without being seen. So, 
Dee asked. So there's got to be other secret passageways. Dee snapped her fingers. There has to be one to the basement so she could visit Henry. And another that let people leave the house secretly, Jenny added. Suddenly she turned and looked at Dee At the same time, Dee turned to look at her. The dumbwaiter, they both said at the same time. Dee laughed. I just know the dumbwaiter was part of Grandmother's secret passageway through the house. Come on. She started to the door to check the dumbwaiter in the hallway, but Jenny stopped her. Wait, I don't think that's the way your grandmother would have gotten into it, she said. Dee Dee waited. Why not? Jenny explained. She said she sneaked down to see Henry. If she went out into the hallway, anyone could have seen her. Dee Dee nodded. You're right, and I think the door to the dumbwaiter is too far off the ground. She wouldn't have been able to climb into it in the hallway. Dee Dee turned and looked back at the secret passage. So, do we have to go back in there? Jenny nodded. I think this passage will lead us to another entrance to the dumbwaiter. Dee Dee shivered. Are you sure? Jenny smiled. So your grandmother really is braver and more daring than you are, she asked. Dee Dee's head snapped up. No way, she answered with a grin. Come on, let's get going. Okay, Jenny said as she headed to the little doorway. She grabbed the flashlight from Dee Dee as she passed her. But it's my turn to be in front. The girls climbed back into the passageway and continued on to the right. The tiny hallway went straight for another six feet before turning right. Dee Dee huffed as she followed Jenny on her hands and knees. Now I know about the dark you were complaining about, Dee Dee said. All I can see is the back of you. Hey, watch it. Dee Dee ran into Jenny as she abruptly stopped. End of the road, Jenny said, squeezing herself flat against the side so Dee Dee could see. The narrow passageway stopped with a black open space in front of them. Two ropes crossed the space from top to bottom. It's a good thing we had this flashlight, Jenny said. If we had been going in the dark, I would have crawled right off into space. Dee Dee looked more closely at the ropes. It's the dumbwaiter, she announced. Now, do we go up or down? Down is where Henry was supposed to be, Jenny said. Up may be the escape route for the Underground Railroad. Dee Dee nodded. We need to stick together, Dee Dee said. We only have one flashlight. Jenny agreed. Right. Now, how do you call for this little elevator? I think you are supposed to pull on those ropes, Dee Dee answered. She slid forward to help Jenny pull the ropes. The girls pulled on the left rope and heard something moving in the elevator shaft below them. Here it is, Jenny announced when the box came into view. But it's too small. Dee Dee frowned. I see what you mean. The dumbwaiter was only intended to carry food. I guess Grandmother could fit if she curled up in a ball, but only one person could fit inside. She thought for a second. One of us will have to go first, and then the other, she decided. I'll go first. But we only have one flashlight, Jenny cried. I'll have to wait in the dark. Didi could tell that Jenny was afraid. Maybe we should go back and find another flashlight. Jenny took a deep breath. No, we're too close, she said. You go ahead and take the flashlight. I'll wait and follow. Didi nodded and climbed into the small elevator. She shone the flashlight back at Jenny. I think we should go to the attic first, she said. I'll send the elevator back when I get up there. You climb in and I'll pull the elevator back up. All you'll have to do is hold on. Jenny nodded. She watched as Dee Dee pulled on the rope and the elevator took Dee Dee and the light up the elevator shaft and out of sight. But a feeling of panic crept into her mind as the darkness covered her. It's just like being in my dark room at home, she told herself. It's not any different. But the scared feeling didn't go away. 
After a few very long minutes, Jenny could hear the ropes swaying back and forth. She put out her hand and felt them. The ropes began to slide through her hand, and she heard the dumbwaiter moving down the shaft toward her. It's about time, she muttered to herself as the elevator slid into position. She climbed into the cramped dumbwaiter space and waited. Nothing happened. Then she heard Didi. It's stuck, her muffled voice said. The elevator rope is stuck. Help me pull it. Jenny reached over and grabbed one of the ropes and began pulling. It is stuck, she thought. The rope must have come off the pulley. She and Didi pulled for a long moment before Jenny felt the elevator begin to move again. At last, she thought. Suddenly, she felt the elevator jerk to the side and one edge of the dumbwaiter came up. Wait a minute, wait a minute, she yelled up to Didi, but Didi kept pulling. Twang! Jenny heard something snap and the elevator began sliding down. Didi! Jenny screamed. I'm falling! The elevator picked up speed as it dropped into the darkness below. The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 7, The Clue in the Secret Passage, written by Glenn Robinson, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.